Why does social media judge my body? Why are we judging? Because we're trying to make ourselves feel better by putting other people down. So I think that judgment has to stop for conversations to happen. Welcome to Core Collective's third and last episode of My Body is Mine Alone series. This podcast audio is from a live event that took place in 2019. In episode three, Core Collective tries to understand other barriers concerning body image and the influence of social media. Why are we not having conversations on self-image, periods, pregnancy, adoption, and our bodies? Where do we start and who do we talk to? The speakers and members of the audience address this issue and the need for these conversations to happen. Hello, listeners. This is episode three of Core Collective's podcast series, On My Body Is Mine Alone. The title of this episode is, Why Does Social Media Judge My Body? In episode two, Devinder, Suki, Harkiran, and Thakdir Kaur look towards Sikhi to find solutions or connections relating to self-image and share their thoughts on body shaming. In the third and last episode of this series, we understand why there are barriers to conversations on women's bodies and the role social media plays on self-image. Core Collective also hands over the mic to the audience and gives them an opportunity to tell their stories on body struggles as well as suggestions to moving this conversation forward and breaking body image notions one step at a time. Uh, Part of why I really wanted you to be part of this night was because you are doing something that women later in their life don't do. You are exemplifying that you have a vision. You are displaying that being beyond 55, you have a space and a place within the conversations. Otherwise, women are kind of brushed aside and they have no real purpose anymore. At least that's how our community and many other communities view older women. What I'm trying to reconcile personally, and I feel like it it comes up as a theme. How come these conversations aren't happening within cores? This wisdom that you have, I'm not sure if you had it when you were 20. Was somebody having these conversations with you when you were in your earlier decades? Do you think there is possibility that there are conversations happening? Maybe they're just not happening with the rest of us. I'm really trying to figure out why are people not talking about this? Why are we not talking about periods? Is shame the only barrier or is there other barriers that we're not identifying right now? That's a lot to ask just one person. I'm, I'm in general, I'm, I'm just kind of contemplating this. Um, so when I was 20, I didn't know half the stuff I know now. I was 25 when I became a mom. I was 20 when I got married. I was too busy enjoying life and being a little insecure, being a little like not sure who I am and learning the ropes. And then, of course, as soon as motherhood starts, there's a whole lot of stuff that you have to learn. But I think the one thing that I give myself credit for is that I've always been a learner. So when I became a mom, I was like, okay, what the heck? I want to be the best mom I can be. Where do I go? So magazines, learning and talking to friends. I was never reluctant to have that conversation. So if I met a mom who I thought was doing a good job, I was not reluctant to ask what was working because I truly believe And this is something I say on my blog too, that we are all here. We are also connected. We are also one. Our challenges are the same. Our emotions are the same. Our aspirations are the same. Yet 
what holds us from those those conversations is fear of judgment. So I'm not going to say something, oh, I have this baby that does this and I don't know. My baby does this. And it happens in our culture. Somebody turns around, oh, achha, teri beti raat no son. Deni saari raat. Maita das vajay padini ate sat vajay utriya. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? Or what's wrong with my child? So I think those conversations will happen if we become authentic. You ask me, was motherhood awesome? My answer is, it was amazing. But yes, there were challenges. And those challenges have to be dealt with on a daily basis. At the end of the day, If you're connected, if you're there, you're mindful, it's the most amazing experience. So we have to be authentic, I think. And that's what's lacking. We are ready to judge. But why are we ready to judge? Because we ourselves feel small. So I'm going to judge you and say, le. And we often hear this, you know, somebody walking into a hall. Why? Why is it our business? Why are we judging? Because we're trying to make ourselves feel better by putting other people down. So I think that judgment has to stop for conversations to happen. And that was the reason I started the blog. When our son went to university, I was in what you call empty nester. But I have a lot of life in me. And now I have a lot more wisdom. I have a lot more experience. Raising three children, running a business, coming to Canada at 10, going back to India, 18, staying in India, four years coming back with my husband who was an immigrant. It's a lot of experience and amazing, wonderful experience. I am grateful. I am so blessed. If I can share my story and have my 25-year-old daughter read the blog or my 18-year son read the blog and say, Oh, wow, mom, that's amazing. I know that conversation is not easy to have face-to-face, but it's very easy to have when it's written. And that's what I'm finding on the blog. So many women younger, because I don't want young girls to say, oh, this is a blog by a 55-year-old. What does she know? Well, for your sake, I know heck of a lot than you do, because when I was your age, I didn't know half the stuff. either. So if you can read something about my story, about my experience, about my thought, at the end of the day, my purpose is to serve humanity. And I would think even if I made a difference to one person's life, I've done my job. So I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, which is what, again, ties into Sikhi very well, because that's what a Sikh is, is a learner. And I consider myself a lifelong learner, so I am continuously learning. And one of the things you said about conversations, I choose to bring into my kitchen or into my living room people from whom I really want to learn. So YouTube is amazing. If my five friends are continuously talking about now getting old and the knees hurting and the granddaughter and don't have time to talk about themselves or don't want to, I'm not going to spend my time there. I will spend time with them, but not maximize my time. I will bring someone into my kitchen. I will re- listen to Robin Sharma. I will listen to Oprah Winfrey. That, to me, is going and living life to the next stage and saying, I'm not done yet. I may have another 40 years. Am I going to sit and sulk and complain that my kids don't come home and visit me? That's a choice I have. But the choice I make is that I'm going to lead and take charge of me. And when those kids come every Sunday without fail, I'm going to meet them with open arms and say, thank you so much, Betty, for coming home. It's really appreciated. And really connect with them for that moment, that time that they've spared for me. Let's open up the audience questions. We have some already. I love this. 
like most children, they do have, you know, their good days, their bad days. But what happens is when they're portraying that they're the perfect parent, the perfect child, other moms, when they see that, they start to exactly like you said, they start to question themselves, like, what am I doing wrong? So social media, it's, it's wonderful, but I always find that it can also be very negative in this sense. Definitely a truth that exists. I want to say to your question about why aren't these conversations happening? We're having the conversation right now and it's taking place online. One other piece that we've all kind of said is we've kind of put down culture. We're saying, oh, the culture is so negative. The culture did this. But culture is dynamic. We make culture. It comes from within us. I feel like this room is Punjabi culture as well, right? Although we are kind of creating this binary between culture versus faith or religion or spiritual path, we have agency to make culture grow. And to your point about the inauthenticity, maybe to draw from the vendor of what people show up, how people show up on social media, that's definitely an issue that we all are going to have to tackle together. Part of what I'm doing with I'm With Periods is showing like the real everyday experiences of, for me, not being a parent, but of being a menstruator and what that means. Forget the kids. That's a struggle that I find and, and I've been facing. So when you first go on social media, and I absolutely love social media for its connectivity. Like Facebook, for example, has connected me to people I went to school in grade 7, grade 8. But I think what we have to remember, if you met these people in person, these people are those people who will say, everything's awesome, everything's great. And they've got that certain image of themselves that they will project to you. And if you met them five times over, the sixth time, you'll know, okay, this person's not real. This is what I use. So if I met this person five times in real life, each time I met them, they didn't come across as authentic. That's not really a connection worthwhile. I kind of use the same sense on social media. So if somebody is continuously, and this one gets to me every time, if they got a brand name gift on their birthday, there's a big picture of it and the world needs to see it. I'm like, I don't have tolerance for that. Then I myself will say, okay, this person, I'm not going to draw any information from or I'm not going to let them impact me. Whereas on the other hand, there are some females that I love who are always positive. I can see that it's not that their life is so perfect, but they're just trying to focus on the positivity and trying to spread the positivity and say, you know, this is life. It has ups and downs. And trust me, every individual born in this world has their challenges. Every one of us get up some mornings and say, I don't want to get out of bed. Whatever the challenge may be, some of us have higher pain tolerance, higher challenge tolerance. Others, you know, little things might bother them, but it may seem like really big things. My point is that social media is awesome, but we have to use those filters to say this person no, I'm not learning. I'm not drawing from this. This person, that's awesome. So I think whatever we do in everyday life applies to social media too. You can't take everything that comes your way and say, that's, oh gosh, like they're leading a wonderful life or so-and-so is leading a wonderful life. But then there are some people who are really good role models. And, and I find 
that's so necessary for us to have a role model. So if I'm talking about Maya, that's my role model to say, hey, at 83, people can be so full of life. So whatever she says, I'm going to follow it and try to live by it. Whereas somebody else who's just trying to be very, look at the materialistic things I have. To me, you know what? That's awesome. That's great. God's blessed everybody. It's up to us, you know, how much we want to spend on whatever. It's a personal choice. Power to you if you want to spend on expensive cars or expensive brand name clothes. That's not the person I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for who you are, who who I can connect to. And that's something like my 19-year-old will sit on Instagram and scroll and scroll and scroll. And I get so anxious and I get so nervous just watching him. And then, of course, if I say in that moment, Angad, can you please put that phone away? Here you go, mom. It goes off. And I take a sigh of relief. And then I have to let it go and find a moment where he's quietly sitting and eating and go sit next to him and say, I find that with Instagram. That's counterproductive. Follow people you love. You have to pick your battles with yourself, with your kids, and you have to really filter through, just like with life. Same with social media. Going back to what you were saying about people portraying themselves differently on social media, I think maybe we should be the ones that start putting it out how it really is. Let's start doing it. You're having a bad day. I'm so-and-so. I'm feeling 10 pounds heavier today. You know, I went to the gym, but made no difference. Why don't we start changing that behavior? We have the power, just like those people, you know, having the time and effort to put in fake information. So I think if we started to actually come out and say the truth, other people will. It's just that everyone is so ashamed about speaking the truth because they feel the fear of being judged. What will so-and-so think about me? What will so-and-so think about me? But I bet you if we all started to put the truth on social media, more and more people will put it out there and... We can change it. Even if we make one change to one person, it's still a change that we can make. Thank you. That was great. You're listening to Core Collective. My name is Sue. The question that was asked is, how do these conversations happen? What do we do? I'm a parent. I'm 50 years old. Um, I've got two children. And I think that as women, it's very important for us to live a certain way. And we can say things. We can have conversations. But I think that what we need to actually do is embody it. We have to be that role model because the only way I think that our children are going to really understand and grasp is when they feel something. And we have to make sure that our children feel safe, that they feel respected. Often when you look back, when I look back at how I raised my children and you think, well, could I have done something differently? And I think that As women, we have a very important role to play, but we can't do this on our own. We have to look to the thing. We have to look to our brothers and sisters and the grandmothers and the grandfathers. And we need to gather as a group to talk about these things. And those conversations do need to happen and they have to happen over periods, over going gray. I'm 50 and a year ago, I decided that I was going to go gray. And there's not too many people in this culture, women in particular, that feel that they can go gray. The reason I did it is because I have a daughter and I want my daughter to know that she is good with who she is and it doesn't matter what she looks like. And I can't tell her that. The only thing that I, can, I could tell her, I have to show her that. So I think when we come together, 
we have to take this very seriously because at the end of the day, we're going to go home. We're going to go back to our lives. And when we meet one another, our job should be to lift each other up and encourage and give each other strength and not look to hear, like people almost get off on somebody else's tragedy. And that is not what we should be doing. We should not be talking about the tragedies and the sadnesses. We should be there to comfort and support, but our focus should be on the positivity. That is what's going to make a difference. And we need to bring the fathers and the brothers into it. And that has to start when the children are young, not when they're 18. And now it's graduation time and oh, what should we do now? I need help to figure out my, my son or my daughter doesn't know what they're going to do soon. Can you tell me, can you give me some advice at 18? No, I can't. Because that should have been done when they were four and five. That's when it starts. And I think there's a window there that gets missed because as parents, we get so busy and we think that the important period is when they reach their teenage years. And it's not. And the important time is when they are three and four and five years old. That's when they're so impressionable. And that is where it needs to start. Those conversations need to start when they're four. And, and we need to talk about homosexuality. We need to talk about sexual orientation. We need to talk about the role of, of men and women. And I just want to thank all of you for speaking the way you did from your heart with such honesty. Thank you. It's difficult to be authentic when you're not vulnerable. And all of you guys, because you were vulnerable, that sort of allowed all of us to figure out what stories we want to share. We talked a lot about culture. And one of the things I noticed with my own parents was like culture was what allowed them to pass on knowledge and to figure out their way of life. But when they came to Canada, they didn't change their social circle. They were watching the same dramas on TV who, that like essentially those serials are designed to portray those same messages. So they were doing that. They were interacting with people who thought the same way about things. So essentially they were living the same life just in Canada though. And when you talk about listening to Oprah or other things, I feel like that's some of the messaging that not all of our parents take into consideration. And they end up essentially just thinking the same way, um, just in a different country. But we have the great privilege that we're educated. Through education, through our social networks, we can really challenge societal norms. And that's something that we should really use to our advantage, is whether it's your gender, whether it's your education, or whether it's your really your wealth, anything. What are our privileges and how are we going to use it to benefit ourselves as well as others and people who are suffering? And I just want to add a point to that. You know, my mom is in her 70s. She knows Oprah. She she recites Oprah's lines and she knows authors and it's impressive what she picks up by watching things beyond serials. But I think it is also, we're having conversations with her. I am on my parents all the time. I get into arguments with them because I am very argumentative. Explain to me, let me understand your perspective. I think we need to start having more conversations amongst ourselves, but then also reconnecting with parents, with moms. I feel like we've kind of distanced ourselves with the social media in general, Western culture, and thinking that our moms don't have any insight. It's not true. They have decades of wisdom. They moved from India and Pakistan and migrated repeatedly and had long, laborious lives that 
we're not tapping into because we're kind of lazy in having these conversations. So I think while it's important for our parents to entrench themselves in culture, it's also our job to ensure that we're having those conversations with those people that have this great wisdom. I'm going to move it on to the next person. Thank you for your inspiring stories. I was resonating. It was like you were telling pieces of my story. Um, I have PCOS. So periods have been an issue for a very long time. Uh, weight has been an issue as a result of that PCOS. I've had um, strangers come up to me and tell me, you should do yoga. You should, you know, uh, just out and about in public. And um, I'm, I'm now very honest with them. I will say, well, thank you so much for your advice. Uh, my weight is tied with my periods. Do you have any advice on that? Uh, and it's uh, it's usually men who will be offering who will be saying these things. So um, I and I listen. It's a genuine question. Thank you for your concern because clearly you felt enough concern to voice it. And that's when they're like, "Oh, I have no idea. I, I am so sorry. I didn't know." Okay, well, just be aware. Some of us women, it's tied to our periods, and you might want to ask a few questions before you offer the advice. I, I listening to all of your stories and how Gurbani and parts of it have inspired you. Um, one of the teachings that that taught, they say again and again and again throughout Gurbani is that you don't take your family with you when you go, right? You, you leave everyone behind. Um, and that that teaching gave me the courage to take out the toxic relatives out of my life. I'm like, I'm not taking you anyways. Why am I listening and drinking your poison? Um, and so it goes back to that creating that space. So if I'm not respecting the authentic, like the divinity in me, and it's been a long road. Like you, I get compliments. It is still hard to believe I'm beautiful when someone tells me I'm 43. You know, and so there are these, um, however, I look at that as a challenge to overcome versus something that I should have, um, uh, oh, I wish it never happened. Well, I wouldn't be the strong person I am today if I didn't have suffering. Without suffering, none of our, like our kids are not going to grow resilient. Uh, and I'm worried about that. That's where my worry sits. Your life is so easy. Ooh, how are you going to deal with the, the tough stuff that's coming your way, right? So, um, and the conversations, you ask that question, and in my head, I'm like, yeah, I, I just, we're having the conversation, just not online. Like, they're just not public. They're, they're authentic, genuine conversations that are happening um, intergenerationally. Um, I, I guess, you know, it's like that, well, the tree fell, if no one heard it fall, did it really fall? I'm like, well, the conversations are happening. If they're not online, does that mean they're not happening? <laughs> So I just, I guess some of the, I'm hopeful. I, I listened to your experiences and I was like, wow. Um, you know, I born and raised up north, came down as a transplant to the lower mainland, huge culture shock. Um, and yet I heard the resonance of the same challenges. And so I'm 43. Every, my promise has been every decade is going to be better than the last. And I'm really happy to say I you know, my elementary years were better than my teens, 20s was better than teens, 30 was better than 20s, and now my 40s are kicking off into the high gear. And so I rely a lot on our teachings from Gurbani to just go, I'm just going to separate the garbage this way because I have this freedom. So I let go of culture. When we were teenagers, we used to tell each other, look, you can be Punjabi or you can be sick. You are not able to be both. So choose. And I was like, I'm going to choose the key because it's got a heck of a lot more freedom and I can be any culture I want. I can dress however I want. I can eat whatever I want, right? I can speak whatever language I want. 
Sikhi gives me that freedom. Self-reflection. According to you, what are the other barriers to self-image? Do you have conversations with your family and peers on the importance of one's body? Do you rely on social media on how to present yourself? What effect does social media have on your body? Exercise. Start a conversation with a woman in your life. Tell her you like her just the way she is. Pledge to yourself that you will not judge another woman based on her appearance. Thank you for listening to Core Collective's podcast series on My Body is Mine Alone. We hope this series helps you in your journey towards self-love and taking pride in the way you are.